Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here's San Francisco and the incomparable forward, Rick Barry. Behind the end line, they burn him again and it's Barry. And now Rick Barry, the league's leading scorer. What a superb basketball player he is. Hi, everybody. Rick Barry here with Warriors 24, my uh, partner in crime, Cyrus Satchis. And we are delighted to have with us from the San Jose Mercury News, the beat writer, Wes Goldberg, is joining us. So much to talk about. I kind of feel like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, you know, when he said, I have so much to do, so little time to do it. I'm frazzled. I'm getting ready to go over to Israel to do some clinics. I've been on the road for a week. I've been playing pickleball. There's so much stuff going on, the playoffs, Wimbledon, sports. But it's so nice to see people back in the stands, isn't it? Oh, my God. It's just so great to see people back and the fans doing it. But what a bizarre NBA playoffs this is. I have never in my entire life seen so many injuries to star players that have such a dramatic impact on the outcome of some of these games. But let's get right to it, Cyrus. Uh, you know, you've got Wes with us. Wes, uh, you're following this craziness yourself. What do you think about what's going on right now in the playoffs? We've never seen a playoffs quite like this, right? For so many different reasons. And I think the one that people keep talking about is the fact that all the stars are injured and not playing are most of them. And you have now a road where Chris Paul is able to get to the finals. And I don't think that there should be an asterisk or anything with that because you can only play who's in front of you. And every playoffs is marred by injury some way or another. But uh, it, that to me right now is the story is Chris Paul and who is he going to, and the Suns, uh, uh, that I think a team that doesn't get enough credit, honestly, in Phoenix. Um, outside of Chris Paul, who are they going to play in the East? And who knows? Because we don't know what if Giannis is going to play again. We don't know if Trey Young is going to play. You know, both teams have won without their stars in that series. So, um, you know, just an interesting playoffs overall. Um, and one that I think basketball fans are really enjoying for some other reasons. But if I were a casual basketball fan, I don't know that I'm watching these games, you know, because the, the, the household names that you're used to seeing in these games aren't there. Yeah, and that's and that, you want to talk about somebody that's not happy? Try the broadcast networks. Right. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, they got to be dying, and you wind up having you know because first of all, the Suns are the surprise team I think of the season without question. What they've been able to accomplish. Absolutely. Um, and then if they don't have the big name people in there, I, who knows what's going to take place? If it can you imagine if it's Atlanta and Phoenix? I mean, the, the NBA front office would have an aneurysm or something. I don't know. But uh, that's why you see like this legend making happening now with Chris Paul, right? Because look, they need to write about somebody. We need to talk about somebody. ESPN, TNT, like they all have to talk and discuss somebody. And Chris Paul is a guy who's been in the league for 16 years. And, and we know that name, right? And if Phoenix goes on and wins this, will, the conversation will be what? We know exactly what it's going to be. Is Devin Booker one of the top? 10 players in the NBA. And that'll be a thing that we talk about for a few weeks. Uh, and trade young if it's back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And look, I think if it were Milwaukee versus Phoenix, probably not the series that the league and, and its broadcast partners were hoping for, but you can market right. Giannis. He's got the overseas appeal. You can market Chris Paul because everybody knows who he is and the state farm commercial thing and all that stuff. But if it's Atlanta, man, you're right. Like, it's I guess I guess that then you start making the myth making of Trey Young in his third season. I don't know what else you would do from a media standpoint. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, you have two 
you know, you have, you have the old guy who's been there and has been dying to get there. And you have the young kid coming along who's going to be around for a long time. They'll make something out of it. You know, they have to, but it's kind of like making chicken salad out of, you know, what compared to what could be there if they had everybody else involved. But uh, yeah. Time to take a quick break to talk about our longtime sponsor, Bet Online. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and Bet Online is where you can find it. From the basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's a crazy thing. Uh, Wes Goldberg is joining us here in Warriors 24. I'm Rick Barry with Cyrus Satchis. Wes is, uh, carry, covers the, uh, the Golden State Warriors. So who do you think is going to come out of this? I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I was happy for Chris, to be honest with you, but man, he had a hell of a game in the deciding game. I mean, he had his best game of the playoffs by far, probably, probably the most important game of his career to this point. Obviously the next games in the finals are going to be the most important games of his career, but how impressed were you about what he did in that closing game? You know, the, the, the playoff career high of 41 points is one thing. I think it was 30 of those points in the second half. I mean, just came out and was that killer that people think that he isn't, right? And you look at his numbers throughout his career, one of the most clutch players in the NBA of this generation, right? Uh, but, you know, he's never gotten to the uh, the finals and he's got, the, you know, that, that reputation. But to me, the main thing was zero turnovers. Like every time he had the ball in his hands, the Suns got a shot, right? And that is so important in these playoffs where every possession matters. And in that game, every possession didn't matter. They ended up winning pretty easily against LA. But uh, in general, like when you're able to put your team in a position, a young team at that, right, in Phoenix, in a position just like, look, I'm not going to turn the ball over. We're not going to have to run in transition as much or, or defend it uh, and, and deal with switches and mismatches and in a, in a blink of an eye and all this stuff. Like, I'm going to make it easy for you defensively. I'm going to make it easy for us offensively, obviously. And I think you just you see the ripple effect that he's had on that entire roster. I mean, everybody has kind of raised their game around him. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I, that's a point I'm, guard, too. Go ahead, Cyrus. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, in my opinion, that was probably Chris Paul's greatest performance of his career. I mean, when you no look doubt. at his entire resume and the fact that he did it at 36 and the fact that he's doing all this at that at his age at, at 36 again, so impressive. And, and in my opinion, the biggest losers of the Clippers going that far, especially without Kawhi. I mean, they, they came back from those two O deficits against the Mavericks and is the, the Warriors are the biggest losers because I honestly thought that if the Clippers got eliminated in the first round, Paul George would have been available because, because let's say the Clippers lose in the first round. Like, what are you going to do if you're Steve Ballmer and Jerry West and crew, are you going to keep that same team again? No, it, you, you have to seriously look at blowing it up and Kawhi would probably consider leaving Paul George, in my opinion, would have been available to the Warriors for Wiseman and those lottery picks and Wiggins. And I was excited for a moment there, but what are you going to do? Congratulations to them, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, again, that's just, it's phenomenal. And I'm, I've never, I never thought I'd root for him in my life. And I'm kind of rooting for him now. You know, it's, well, here, it's, let, me, let, me, let me throw out something and get your guys' thoughts on this as well. I think that Chris Paul is one of, there's, of a number of players in the league 
who played the game the right way, who was an unselfish player, who's there to try to help his team win. But if, again, put into this situation where he knew he had to step his game up, showed you what he could have been capable of doing throughout his career, had that been required of him to do it. And here's the other point that I will make with it. So it's a two-pronged deal. I get so upset when people give so much credit to whether or not how great a player is as to how many finals he was in or championships he won. You don't win championships by yourself. So if you don't have teammates around you who step up and get it done, it's very difficult sometimes to be able to carry the load. I, I speak firsthand with this. We don't get to the finals in 75 if it's not for my teammates because I sucked in game seven of the Western Conference finals. And if it weren't for my teammates, I wouldn't have had a chance to redeem myself at the end of the game. So I know firsthand how that works. And Chris Paul, I think, falls into that. And there's probably a bunch of other guys in the league who could do a lot more if they had to do it. But they're on teams where it isn't necessarily the, the situation where he has to get it done. So your thoughts on those two points. Go ahead, Wes. Sure. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing with Chris Paul is you're right. He plays the game, quote unquote, the right way. Right. And whatever that means. But I, I think you're right. Like lifting your teammates up. What it means is being, I'll, I'll straighten that out for you. What it means is being unselfish. Right. Being a person who's trying to get his teammates involved, especially if you're a point guard and making sure that everybody is a part of it because it only works if you do it as a team. Now, occasionally you have to do it. He still had help in that game. It wasn't like he did it yeah. all by himself, obviously. But that's yeah. that's the point that I'm making. Yeah, and, there, and look, the, 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 I think there are a few guys in the league that play like that. But when we can list, like LeBron James, right? Always looking to get his team involved. Jimmy Butler, always looking to get his teammates involved. Uh, Luka Doncic, he's young, but kind of has that same sort of quality about him. What's the difference between those guys and Chris Paul? They're all six, seven plus, right? Mm. Chris Paul is six feet tall. There's still a ceiling to how good he can be. He still can't be that guy who, you know, Gets, can get any shot at the end of the game, right? You see Kawhi Leonard do it all the time where he's six foot eight and he can just kind of scoot his way into the mid-range area, turn around and get a shot over somebody. Chris Paul can't do that just because of his height. So he's always, I think, needed, to your point, Rick, uh, uh, the right teammates around him and the teammates that can help him get there. Because what, what makes Chris Paul so special is that he can kind of get you into those moments and then he kind of needs that teammate to take over. What was so phenomenal about that closeout game is he was the dude that just took it over. He would just snake a pick and roll, get to that little spot on the right side and, and just, and, and get a shot. But they were just giving him that shot over and over again. Um, I think that with Devin Booker there, and this is what, this is what Chris Paul tried to do in 2018. And by the way, he was so close. Like if, if Chris Paul doesn't get that hamstring injury, who knows what happens in that 2018 series against the Warriors. But um, that was sort of the deal with, with James Harden is okay. Chris Paul can get you there. James Harden can be that guy who closes things out because he's that kind of scorer. But I think the difference between, and, and Devin Booker is that same kind of guy, like Taylor made game for the playoffs. The difference between Harden and Booker, Harden is undoubtedly the, the superior player, but Harden was what, 27, 28 in those 2018 finals, an established superstar. Like Chris Paul, he's a guy who barks orders, who's a, who, who can be hard to get along with as, as a teammate. If you, you know, based on the reports that we've heard from uh, teammates. But it's one thing if you're trying to tell James Harden, an established superstar, what to do, right? If you're, it's one thing if you're trying to tell Mike D'Antoni, an established head coach, uh, what to do. But Chris Paul getting this opportunity to do, like Devin Booker idolizes Chris Paul, right? Devin Booker probably watched Chris Paul growing up. Like all of his teammates, all of Chris Paul's teammates, probably just idolize and, and love the ground that Chris Paul walks on. 
that that kind of side from Chris Paul works, I think, on this roster because he can be fully the kind of leader that he's capable of being. And and you see that now that same quality that I think was a weakness on some teams, right? Kind of basically got him kicked out of locker rooms and off of rosters is now a strength on on this Phoenix team. And I think it is just a sort of perfect coalescence of of a lot of different personalities and skill sets and all these things. And now you've got a Phoenix Suns team that I don't care who comes out of the East. They have to be the favorites because they're deep. There's not a weakness on that roster. I mean, look, if you're, let's say Giannis comes out of the East. I mean, who are you attacking on Phoenix? Like who are you just trying to put into a pick and roll and attacking? You're not attacking Chris Paul. You're not attacking Mikel Bridges. You're not attacking DeAndre Ayton. Like that team, that team defensively, as good as they are offensively, defensively, there's just like there's not a, a place that you can exploit. And so I think that they have to be the favorites. I'm not saying that they'd win it, but I think they have to be the favorites in this. And they are. And Vegas is is listing the Suns at regardless of Giannis's health as a heavy favorite in the NBA Finals. And I think it's for that reason. By the way, I I, I think we should show DeAndre Ayton some love too. That man, Rick, you've been praising him since we started this podcast nearly two years ago now. He is a legitimate big man. He has shown in these playoffs that he was worth that number one pick, in my opinion. I don't know if you two agree with me or not, but I'm just I'm really impressed with this kid and makes me envious of the Warriors don't have him. Yeah. What do you like about it? Same thing. I'd like to have him on a Warriors team. (laughs) Yeah, no question about that, because what's happening. So and speaking of that, we got so many things we could talk about here and 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 we could go on for hours because there's been so much happening in the in the league. Right. Uh, But and you have some good points in in our 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 pregame, our pregame little thing, our little uh, our notes. (laughs) <laughs> yes uh, but I, the one I, i'd like to get into because since you just brought up with the big man what do you think clay's trying to do with weitzman i mean i see him out there fishing trying to take him out there fishing and stuff in his boat or whatever but I, i'd like to get wes's thoughts on on weitzman we've had some other input from people about weitzman is weitzman the guy or is he somebody that you would give up and package him possibly with one of the picks that they have in the first round uh what would you do wes uh, what do you think and- the warrior should do and Wes, before you answer that, do you want do you, do you want to hear the clip real quick? Uh, this is sure. uh, Clay yeah. Thompson on his boat with James Wiseman. Got Rook on the boat with me. You don't know a damn thing, but I'm teaching him the ropes. What it's like to be a straight captain, baby. It's nice out here. Got anything to say, Rooks? You don't even know. Yeah. So that. So there you go. Yeah, Wes, go ahead. So I'm pretty sure Clay has driven that boat up and down the coast of California from like Orange County to the Bay Area, like a couple of different times. Um, <laughs> so, uh, look, I love that. I think that that's the kind of thing that James Wiseman needs. You, you'd have to wonder what a guy like Clay, if, if he were not injured and in that locker room, what kind of guidance that he could have given a guy like Wiseman, who just so many times just seemed to be up in his own head uh, throughout his rookie season. And a guy like Clay, who's just look. I don't, I don't think Clay is the kind of guy that just dole out like advice unprompted and stuff like that, but his presence alone, it just sort of smooths all that kind of stuff out. It just said dissipates all that noise. He's just, he's so calm, cool, collected. Like if Wiseman's locker had been next to Thompson's, like you could just see Wiseman feeding off of that and maybe just being like, you know what? Maybe things aren't a big deal. Maybe at the end of this, I'll go have a beer and get on a boat and maybe and, and go fishing and maybe I catch something and maybe I don't. And it's not the end of the world because that's not what it's all about. Right. And that's kind of the lesson of fishing. Uh, so maybe that's something that Wiseman's picking up on now. He needs to get out of his head. I'm sure that dealing with the knee surgery is not helping him, um, but it looks like Clay is at least helping him. 
as far as what the Warriors should do with Wiseman, look, I think that the things that Aiton was doing, the things that you like from Aiton in the playoffs are a sign of maybe the best case scenario of James Wiseman. I think DeAndre Aiton is far more skilled as an offensive player than James Wiseman is. He's just got better feel, better hands, better touch around the basket, all those things. I don't know that Wiseman will ever be that sort of player that Aiton is, but I think Wiseman could be a good outside shooter, a pick and pop threat, certainly a lob threat. Um, Defensively though, the thing that I think people love about Wiseman is he's got quick feet. He gets low in his stance. He's, he moves quickly side and smoothly side to side, obviously up and down. He's, he's probably the fastest seven footer in the league. Uh, there's that, that ability like Deandre Ayton, his ability to switch onto guards onto the perimeter and defend in pick and roll type situations. something that Rudy Gobert still can't do at a high level, right? The, despite mm-hmm. Gobert being the defensive player of the year, multiple times, like Ayton was able to stay on the floor against the Clippers. When, when the Clippers went small, Gobert struggled. And I think that's the upside with Wiseman. And if you're Bob Myers, you're this front office, and you see what Aiton was able to do in the playoffs, you're like, that's what we want Wiseman to do. All the offensive mm-hmm. stuff, that'll come, right? Like, whatever. But defensively, if we can unlock that and get a seven-footer who can protect the rim and defend the basket at a high level on the floor in the last six minutes of a playoff game, that's something that a lot of teams don't have, and it's a big reason why Phoenix is where they're at right now. Um, so, look – as far as whether I'd, I would trade him, if I would package seven and Wiseman, I think the Warriors are, are recognizing, hey, this is our best package um, to move, to, to acquire an immediate impact player. I don't think that you just do that for any sort of veteran who helps right now. I think you have to, you, you draw a line in the sand. You say, okay, what kind of player? Does he have to be a, an all-star? Does he have to be a borderline all-star? What kind of grade are we looking to get the, the kind of player that we're looking to get? Uh, if that player is available, then yeah, you just do it. And, and Wiseman could be a great, but he could be great somewhere else. Cause if you're the Warriors, you're trying to win these next couple of years and it, it might be worth making that swap. Right. Um, but that's, that's the decision that the front office has to make. Pascal Siakam is an interesting name, right? To me, that's right there. That's the kind of name that you would start to have those conversations for. Yes. Uh, yes. Because anything less than that, like if you're talking about like, I'm trying to think of the names that are thrown out there all the time for, for other, like a Marcus smart type, which I never understood why is he's mentioned in trade rumors. Cause Boston's not trading him. Uh, and especially after moving Kemba Walker and they're not going to trade him to another title type of team like golden state, but uh, for just to use him as an example, no, you don't trade seven and Wiseman for Marcus smart as good of a fit as Marcus smart might be. Uh, but a, a fringe all-star type of guy. Yeah. You absolutely have to do it. The warriors are shopping seven and 14 or I'm sorry, seven and Wiseman. Um, that's a package that they're, they're trying to gauge. What can we get? If you can get that kind of player, you do it. If not, then you, you say, all right, let's try to make the most out of Wiseman. Hope they make some sort of leap in the second and third year, uh, in the future. And, and hopefully at seven, you get somebody you can help right away. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. There's a lot of scenarios out there. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, I've, I've done, a lot of research myself and, and Wes, you're actually paid to do this kind of research. So you can see it. This is, I just love the warriors this much. And I love this podcast this much. And, and from scouring the landscape, I mean, the only two names that I've seen that could be available and that uh, is even worth consideration is Pascal Siakam and Rick, I texted you that proposal and you said no to that. You didn't like that idea. And Ben Simmons, I don't see anyone else out there who is worthy of the Warriors giving up a Andrew Wiggins because you'd have to give him up for salary cap matching purposes. And, and, and a lot of people are starting to love Wiggins now. I'm starting to love him. Actually, I've always loved him, but I'm really starting to like him as part of this team. 
Uh, and then Wiseman, if Clay Thompson's bringing him on that boat, that's an indication that the star players are welcoming him. And that's a strong sign that they want him to stay. I mean, it's, it is looking more and more like this is going to be the team that that these two draft picks they'll keep. I love the kid from Baylor, the point guard. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he Davion looks Mitchell. like yes, yeah. Davion Mitchell. And, and so, Rick, I guess this is where I would love for you to jump in. Um, as one of the greatest players ever, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? I mean, is why is Pascal Siakam not worth it to you? Um, I love him. I think he was the second best player on a championship team. He gives them the easy inside scoring they need, the rebounding they need, the toughness they need. Um, but if he's not available, I don't see anyone else worthy of making that trade. So what, what are your thoughts? I would love your thoughts now, Rick. Well, who are you, who, who are you going to give up for him? Uh, uh, you'd give up Wiggins just because of the salary cap numbers, Wiseman, and and the seven and the number seven pick. Well, that's giving up a lot, isn't it? It, it is. <laughs> it is. That's, that's, uh, so the question is: Is it worth it? Yeah, is Siakam yeah, well, worth? He's twenty-seven. Huh? Siakam is twenty-seven, so he's yeah, young as well. I mean, the nice thing about it is you got a guy that can be there for conceivably ten years if he wants to play that long and stays healthy. With the way right. that we do things now, with the with the uh, training and everything else. Uh, that's a possibility. Uh, it's just a matter. They, they have to, what I think what they have to do, they have to, because they know it better than I, and I obviously didn't get to see him a whole bunch is Wiseman worthy of keeping. And can he develop into the kind of player that can be an asset to this team for an extended period of time? The conversation that we just have and what Wes brought up, I think is a meaningful one. If you're going to make him become your defensive guy and be someone that can help you protect the rim and develop some of the other skills that he has, then I say, if you feel comfortable with that, then I don't know if you'd want to get rid of him for somebody like Siakam, because you do have Wiggins who can put up 20 or more for you at any time at all. Um, and so that's, I think that's the biggest decision that has to be made. Can we turn Wiseman into the kind of player that's going to be a valuable asset to this team for a number of years? And if they feel that they can do that, then I say you don't get rid of him and you don't get rid of, of, of Wiggins in order to bring in somebody like Siakam because you're still going to have that void with mm -hmm. the big guy. And, and, and Wes, you were right. I, I watched him. I mean, the guy's like a freaking deer running there. I mean, he really has some athleticism and ability to do some things with the proper mentoring, okay? Yeah. I'll throw this out there and I'll get all kinds of hell for it. Probably if they would let Clifford Ray work with him to develop his game, the guy is a miracle worker with big guys. They love him. He's turned so many guys and taken their games to new levels because he understands how to play the game. He would be a perfect mentor for Wiseman. I, that's my feeling. I really truly believe that. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think that the thing with Wiseman this meniscus injury was so detrimental to his development because not only did he not get to finish the year, he doesn't get to play in summer league again. Mm -hmm. We they're hopeful that he'll be available in training camp, but we don't know that. Um, and you never know how a guy with Wiseman's size, how his body responds to this kind of thing. He's for all intents and purposes, still going to be a rookie by the middle of next year. And that's really tough. And I don't know, like Aiton made this leap in his third year. I think Aiton was a superior prospect to Wiseman. He was not only just more seasoned because he played more college games than Wiseman. Let's remember, Wiseman played 69 minutes in college. Uh, he, no summer league. Ever, like, in his career yet, has not had a summer league. He's going to go – his first summer league is going to be after his second NBA season. I mean, that's just wild to think about as far as how far behind the eight ball he is from a developmental curve. And uh, I, I just – 
if Aiton is able to make the leap that he heard here, then what is that? And look, not every player is the same. And I hate to make these just like one-on-one comparisons. Just I'm trying to have some sort of basis of where the war, like if you're the Warriors front office, how you try to view this thing as far as your window is concerned. Wiseman probably makes a similar leap in his fourth or fifth year, right? And by then, too late. That's too late for the other. It's too late. It's too late. And so that that's why I do believe like the Warriors, if they were to trade Wiseman, it would not be an agreement on Wiseman. It would not be, it would not say anything about Wiseman. I think Wiseman is going to go on to be a good player in the NBA. Maybe it's in Golden State, maybe it's somewhere else. But if they do trade him, what it's saying is we 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 recognize that he's going to be a good player, but not quick enough. And we need to be good right now. And we're going all in on this championship window. Yeah, and here's the thing is we talked about this before, and I think you would agree, Wes, is that it takes big men longer to make the adjustment to play in the NBA level. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and like that's you what, say, he doesn't have, he's got hardly any experience whatsoever. And so mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe he can make a miraculous transformation and, and and have a learning curve. That's why I'm saying if you're going to keep him, the critical element, I am telling you, who is going to mentor him? Who is yeah. going to work with it? And this is why I bring up Clifford Ray's name. Because he's done miraculous things with players. You look at his, hey, I'll, I'll rest my case on this. When Butch Bear brought him on, his teammate for, with, the, with the Nets, by the end of the season, Sean Bradley was getting triple doubles with points, rebounds, and block shots. I rest my case. Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, Clifford, uh, yeah, and, and I think Wiseman is working with KG. I've, I've read that somewhere. Wes, by the way, if I remember correctly, when you came on with us over a year ago, you, you, you preferred uh, Mello over Wiseman in the draft, which was pretty prescient. I, am I correct on that? Like, you wanted Mello, uh, correct? Or am I? Uh, I wanted, I, I don't remember wanting LaMelo. I liked Anthony Edwards. Um, I mean, they couldn't but get he him. Ended though. up going number one. Yeah. Uh, and I really, my guy was Tyrese Halliburton. That was my oh, guy. Oh, well, um, that's, you wouldn't have been wrong on that. I mean, and so I actually wrote a column for the Mercury News saying, just take Tyrese Halliburton. Who cares about the long term upside? He's going to help you right now. And I was right. Uh, I actually, <laughs> and, and now, and now I, I, you look at this draft too, and now you've got stories about, well, what happens if Jonathan Kaminga drops to seven and all these things? And I don't think Kaminga is going to, but let's say hypothetically that he does. Very raw prospect, probably two years away. I don't think, even if I think Kaminga has, maybe the highest upside in this draft out of anybody, but I don't think that the Warriors have the infrastructure to get them to tap into that upside because like, where's the playing time coming from? Like mm-hmm. guys need to play, especially a guy like Kaminga who has not been, you know, he started playing basketball later in his life than a lot of these other guys. Um, so I, I, I look at these other guys like Davion Mitchell out of Baylor, who we talked about like a James Buchnight out of UConn and some of these other guys like that, that could be on the board at seven Franz Wagner out of Michigan. What about uh, Scotty Barnes? If he's there, it's a no-brainer. Take him. I just gotcha. don't think he'll yeah. be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I, I go back to this all the time. It was the same thing I was saying about Tyrese Halliburton, and it's a question that I'm going to ask Rick here in a minute. I think we get too caught up when we talk about upside in height, athleticism, wingspan, and all that stuff, and we don't talk enough about and – and I understand that's stuff you can't teach, right? That's what You can't teach that. You, can't teach, you also can't teach feel for the game. You could teach IQ, right? People get smarter as they get older and more experienced, but that's different. Basketball IQ and basketball feel are two different things. And I don't, Tyrese Halliburton had such a great feel for the game. And you see guys all the time that are a little bit, maybe lankier, don't not crazy, like jump out of the gym type of athletes, but they have just such a genius or or just an elite level of feel for the game that you also just like vertical and, and 40 time just can't teach that kind of stuff. 
And that's what I'm looking at if I'm the Warriors. Because you know the guys with the crazy verticals and the crazy athleticism and the crazy wingspans, they're going to be off the board by seven, right? All the guys that we keep talking about. Um, but at seven, I still think you can get a guy, like when Halliburton slowed I think it was 12 to Sacramento. I think you could still get a guy with elite feel for the game. And those are the kinds of the guys, like LaMelo, like Tyrese Halliburton, that tend to produce more earlier on in their careers. Doesn't, doesn't mean they're going to be the better long-term prospect, long-term player but tend to make an impact faster than those other kinds of guys. Am I, am I off Rick? I mean, that, that feel for the game is that. Oh, that's no, I think you've been listening to me talk for the last 20 years. <laughs> years. I mean, what do I say all the time? When I go, I said, I don't understand what the hell scouts are looking at when they go out and watch these players. The first thing that I am looking for before I even think about anything else. And you can tell that in five to 10 minutes of watching them play. You don't have to go to 50 different tournaments and games to try to recognize it. Does the player have a natural feel for the game? If he does, I am going to then examine him and find out his heart and all the other things. Like I tell people all the time, Wes, I can teach you how to pass. I can't teach you how to see. Hmm. The feel for the game to me is the defining characteristic that takes a great player into a superstar player or a good player Mm -hmm a great player it takes you one level higher because you will never ever fully maximize your potential as a player with all the natural skills and talents that god gave you if you don't have a natural feel for the game because you will not be able to utilize all of what you were given in the best way possible because it can't be taught yeah so you've got you've got athletes and you've got basketball players right? right and a lot of great athletes are great basketball players right but not, you know, but a, a great athlete could also be a great football player. And look, great for them. Like you blessed with an, an amazing body and physical, you know, genes and all these things. But there are great basketball players. And then you look at a guy like Kobe who slid in his draft. It's just crazy basketball feel. He was also a crazy athlete. And we saw that early in his career. Uh, but Luka Doncic, everybody's like, oh, he's kind of chubby, you know, a little slow, <laughs> like all this stuff. I'm like, do yeah. you watch this guy play? He's just on another level than well, everybody warriors- else on the court. You know, the Warriors in 96, I believe, had a genius GM who took Todd Fuller. Uh, you know, brilliant, brilliant move on the Warriors part over Kobe Bryant. Uh, Wes, in your opinion, um, so who should the Warriors draft? Like, who do you see? Is, is Davion Mitchell the man? Like, do you like him? I, lo- I, I like yeah. him a lot. I, I love your input on this. I, I really like Davion Mitchell. I just, look, maybe I'm just, like, really, like, old school and stuff. But I, I just think that that feel for the game, the fact that um, he's really, really competitive, and he kind of ups that competitiveness in those big moments. Like that's the kind of stuff that I like. And it would be one thing if the Warriors were in need of an alpha, of a number one scoring option. I don't think Davion Mitchell can be that in the NBA, but they don't need that. They have Steph. They don't even need a guy to run their offense. They have Draymond. They don't even need an elite floor spacer. They've got Clay coming back. And if Clay doesn't even hit a three for the first 20 games, doesn't matter. He's still clay. He's got the reputation. People are still going to respect him and he's still going to space the floor just from reputation alone. They don't need any of that. They got a great, they have also, they also have a great athlete on the wing and Andrew Wiggins, by the way, let's, and he's only 26. He's going to be 26 here in the next you know couple months. So let's not forget that. Uh, I, I like a guy who has um, that competitive edge, who shows that feel for the game, who has shown incremental improvement in college. To me, that's huge, right? I mean, that three point shooting, 
uh, I know he had one good year of three point shooting and it was this last year as junior, but I had Chad Ford on my podcast and he knows much more about that kind of stuff than I do about shooting mechanics and all that fun stuff. He's like, dude, the shooting mechanics are, they're clean. They look good. That guy can shoot. He might not be shooting 44% like in his career, but if you take, you know, 6% off of that, that's still really good at the NBA level. Right. Um, So I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that kind of stuff. He's still a good athlete, even if he's not super long and all that stuff. Uh, and he could defend his position, which mm-hmm. at that point guard spot, at that small guard spot, one of the most novel skill sets in the league is a point guard who can defend his position, not just well, but at an elite level. I mean, you're talking about Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Smart, Lou Dort, end of list. Like, I don't, that, that's kind of the list of guy, point guards who can defend their spot at an elite level. And I think, and look, we don't know that Mitchell can do that at the NBA level, but he, but he projects to be able to. And, I, mm-hmm. and if, if, if you believe that he can, then I just I think I think it's sort of a no brainer. There's I other guys I like. I I like Book Knight out of UConn. He's six foot five. He's he's doing all the stuff in the combine that he needs to do. He could score at all three levels potentially. I like him. You know I think that's a, a Franz Wagner out of Michigan. Just he doesn't have that kind of uh, wiggle to his game the way that a guy like Mitchell does. Not as elite as a ball handler because he's not a point guard. Uh, and I think that's an element that the Warriors need. Um, I just I think Mitchell's a no-brainer at seven. I agree. I'm with you. I always teach you guys. You can, let me tell you this. Trust me. I know myself. I became a better shooter when they got yeah. the three points. I had to do it. I was working on it. You know, I got I only got I got up to like 33%, which is 50 from twos, and 33 is respectable and all. But I mean, if I were playing today, I wouldn't be happy and satisfied until I got to be 40 or better for sure. Mm-hmm. But you can learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the proper teaching and it's working on the technique. I mean, there's only certain fundamentals. If you, if somebody's there monitoring you, working on it and doing, you repeat it and you do it, you're going to get better as a shooter. There's no question you can do that. So if, if that's one of the things, oh, well, he doesn't shoot the ball. Well, well, so what? We can teach him to become a better shooter, but we can't teach him, you know, but he already has a feel for the game that we can't teach to a guy who's a better shooter. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and, and he needs to have those other things that gets him on the floor. Right. Because yeah, if, if he could play make, if he could defend at a high level, then, okay, now you're doing something for us while you're on the court, while that three point shot comes along, like right. we'll get you to shoot, but you got to do some other stuff for us. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is the perfect test case for that. He was able to walk in for San Antonio that he filled a position of need for them at small forward and defended that position really well. And that three point shot came along. And by year three, I think it was, he was shooting at a really high level. Exactly. Yep. And it's just, that's the, exactly the perfect scenario for doing that here. I mean, it's just a matter of being able to contribute on the floor, do the kind of things that you need to do. And listen, he's got a couple of guys that could probably help him learn with shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. We're joined by uh, Wes Goldberg of the of the San Jose Mercury News. You could follow him on Twitter at WC Goldberg. You host a variety of podcasts. You do some great coverage. You are uh, one of the preeminent Warriors insiders, which leads to my uh, two questions for you. Um, one is, is there any update on the Kelly Oubre re-signing? Um, I know not everyone's excited about it, but, uh, you know, Rick and I, and and we had Connor Letourneau of the San Francisco Chronicle here last podcast. We all kind of came in agreement that while he doesn't excite everyone, if you lose him, you're losing a poor asset. It's the smart move is to re-sign him and maybe worry down the road if he's not a perfect fit, what to do with him. So is there any update on, on re-signing Kelly Oubre Jr.? And should fans be concerned that Steph Curry still hasn't signed that extension yet? What's the latest on that? Uh, don't be concerned about Steph signing extension. He's busy doing his golf tournaments right now. He's got, <laughs> I don't know how much money he can win at those things. Maybe it's more than what he can make at the extension. I don't know what, what's <laughs> okay. on the table for him. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be worried about Steph at the extension. As far as Oubre is concerned, um, 
my understanding is that th those conversations haven't begun yet, that the Warriors front office doesn't really have a feel for it because Kelly Oubre is an unrestricted free agent and he very much wants to test the open market as is his right. And uh, he really does want to start. He views himself as a starter. This is a guy, let's remember, who came off the bench for the first three years of his career, finally broke through as a starter his last year in Phoenix, and then got traded to Oklahoma City, which was a pit stop on his way to Golden State, and then came up and then was starting there. But it was always sort of a marriage of convenience, right? A one-year rental type of thing. Uh, if, if the Warriors can re-sign him, I think they should. I would be careful to give him too much money. And I've seen that argument, like just give him $20 million because if you don't, then he's, you're, walking, you're losing that cap slot and he's walking away for nothing. My, my counter argument to, be, to, to that would be good luck trading Kelly Oubre at $20 million a year. You know, like there, there might be a team out there that wants Kelly Oubre, but I think he had a fine season, but I don't think he had a, a season where like there's a ton of teams being like, we got to get this guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. right. So uh, I, I, I ultimately, my, my sense is that he'll probably walk as an unrestricted free agent. The sign and trade thing is an interesting option, but it requires so many things to sort of go right. You know, right. like this idea that, oh, just sign and trade him to Indiana for name, name one of the Pacers. It's like, do we know that Kelly Oubre wants to play in Indianapolis? Like, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's up to him ultimately, right? If he doesn't want to play ball, then he's like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go to New York who has a need at small forward can pay me. Like, maybe I'll just do that or San Antonio or Miami or wherever um, Houston could use him. Uh, those are all teams that I think you'd probably prefer to play in cities that you'd prefer to play in than Indianapolis. No shade to Indianapolis. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> right. uh, so look, I think it's something that they'll explore, but it requires a lot of other teams to be on the same page. And I don't think there's any front office right now that's ready to kind of have those discussions, those kinds of conversations in a very meaningful way. Right. We know that these things are slow played. Uh, free agency doesn't start until the beginning of August after the draft. That's when we're going to start seeing those, those conversations really start. Uh, happening. I agree with you. I think he's leaving. He's going to, he's going to go out there. If somebody's willing to give him a deal, he's going to go, he's going to go where the money is and a chance to know that he can start again and know that he may have a chance where he goes someplace else to be a little bit more of a star because he's mm -hmm. never going to be a star with this team. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks if that's true, because if he stays here, he could be part of such a great organization that I see the warriors very much following the Spurs model from the, from the early two thousands on where you have these older players that are still in their prime, but now you have these draft picks, you have these young players you're bringing in, and, and it's just whether or not the cohesion is going to be there for it to all work work out. Um, that's well, sucks. I think they also I had, I, I think they, I, if Oubre leaves, it's not going to be the, the, the end of the world too, because look, the sign and trade thing, if you want to try to create a cap exception, like maybe there's something that the Warriors could do there. If Kelly Oubre says, hey, I want to go to New York, uh, the, the Warriors can get on the phone with their general manager and say, hey, maybe work out a sign and trade. You take and we create a cap exception. Maybe there's something like that that happens. We know that Bob Myers has done things like that in the past. Um, but the thing with Ubre, I think he's productive. There's a lot of upside there. I love Kelly Ubre, by the way. I think he's a. I think he's got a ton of upside. He was one. Of Same. The, he's one of like my favorite guys to watch before he was on the Warriors. But it wasn't a good fit, right? Like they struggled to figure out where to put him. And and when you have a guy like that who's who's good and needs to be on the floor because he's good, but isn't an ideal fit. And you're like, all right, where do we play him at a small ball power forward? Do we bring him off the bench? Does he start? Like, what do we do with this guy? It kind of just mucks things up and you can't really get to the lineups that you really want to be using. So I don't think it would be the end of the world if he left. And I think it, that, and that's why I think it'll end up happening is because I don't think the Warriors are going to put the, the full court press on him 
so to speak, to get to bring him back because there's an understanding that's not a great fit. And then for Ubre, it's like, well, even if I come back, I don't want to come off the bench when Clay Thompson is yeah. healthy. I want to go yeah, start exactly. somewhere. Exactly. Plus the fact, here's the thing. It didn't help his cause any with the start he had to the season, which was yeah. – yeah. My one my one encouraging uh, note that 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 uh, keeps me hopeful that he's going to stay is that on his on his Twitter account, he still has nothing but Warriors pride listed in his bio. So um, he's got Dub Nation listed there. He's in the Warriors uniform. So at least from the social media subliminal message angle, um, he hasn't shown any hints that he wants to leave. But you're right. If he wants to be a starter and wants to be a star, the Warriors are not are not the fit, obviously. But if he wants, I mean, I just hope he stays for the same reasons. I still see upside in him. I think, you know, if he's okay coming off the bench, that is a great player that comes off the bench for you alongside Jordan Poole and the, and, and, and Kevon Looney. And um, yeah. So anyways, uh, so, so before we go, uh, Wes, and thank you so much for coming on with us today. Um, I am curious what available free agents from your research are there that the Warriors could sign possibly with either the mid-level exception um, or the, the, the vet minimum. Any names out there that, that intrigue you? Yeah, I my my main thing is um, I think this team, even if they keep Wiseman, Kevon Looney obviously opted in. I think he proved that he deserves to be their starter next year. Um, I think they you still need another big, right? Because you're one injury away from only having one center, and then you're two injuries away from having no centers, which we just saw happened quite often last year. And with Looney's injury history and with Wiseman coming off of this thing, you can't risk it. So I'm looking at a guy like, um, I, I think, I believe Mason Plumley could be a free agent. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he might actually have one more year left, but uh, I would just be looking at another center. Uh, a name that I would watch is Marcus all. He's not a free agent, but if he's not stoked about what's going on with the Lakers right now, uh, because they have Andre Drummond, because they have Montrose Harrell, uh, the, he's only making 2 million plus very, very easy to trade for in any type mm. of situation the Warriors were on his list of destinations before he signed with the Lakers. If you ask people in the Warriors front office, they think they had Marcus all before clay got hurt and then clay got hurt. And then Gasol obviously made a different decision. I don't know if how true that is. I don't know if Gasol was leaning the Warriors one way or the other. I think he ultimately obviously ended up with the Lakers anyway. Uh, but if, if Gasol is just kind of like, you know what, let me head out to a, a team that I kind of wanted to play for and might be a better fit then you could work something out that involves, I don't know, any amount of uh, like an Eric Pascal type of salary, a Michael Mulder, something like that. Uh, these little bit salaries that you can move plus a sort of draft pick. I don't think it would be the seventh pick. It wouldn't be the 14th pick, not for Marcus at this point in his career, but a future pick, some a, a, you know, bundle of second rounders, something like that. It would be something that I would watch. The other thing too, and I brought this up on my podcast, but it's just, it's fun to talk about because this is not a great class of free agents and the mid-level exception is not going to get you a ton of stuff. You might end up, I actually think that the Warriors will probably have a list of guys, but they might end up just breaking it up and signing a couple of guys for a little bit over the minimum. Um, but um, Draymond Green is on this Olympic roster and you look at the kind of players that he can recruit and everybody's going to want to talk about Damian Lillard and Bradley Beal and those kinds of guys. All right, whatever. I'm sure he'll try, but Kevin Love yes. cannot be happy with what he's what's happening in Cleveland right now. And by the way, has visibly not been happy with ha what's happening in Cleveland since LeBron. Yes. Left. like he throws he throws basketballs at his teammates and his coaches, which is all makes great Twitter <laughs> highlights and content, but leads me to believe that he's not totally excited about the rebuilding. Oh no, there. Rick, you saw uh, that right when Kevin when Kevin Love did that when he just threw the ball and the, on the it was the, the inbounds. 
No, I did. I did. Oh, well, it was that, an inbounds pass that was very yeah. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's not happy there. What is Cleveland yeah. thinking? I've never seen a more incompetent front office than the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I, anyways, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's made a lot of money over his career, and I don't know where he stands financially or what you know his list of priorities are. But we what we just saw happen with Blake Griffin in Detroit, where he's like, you know what, you're rebuilding, cool, that's good for you, but I'm not interested in that. Let's organize a buyout. And then I'm going to go sign in Brooklyn. And from reports that was planned ahead, you know, a couple months in advance. If Draymond Green can get into Kevin Love's ear and just be like, hey, man, remember those finals? Remember when we used to play together in the finals? Let's do that again, but with each other this time. Like, you, those Cavaliers aren't doing anything right now. Let's or- organize a buyout with your front office and then come to Golden State. That Kevin Love would be a perfect fit, I think, for what the Warriors need. You're not asking him to be the old Kevin Love, right? Because he's he, no. now he is an old Kevin Love, but he can he's such a terrific passer. Obviously, he could space the floor. You could play him at center coming off the bench as one of your three centers. You could play him at power forward to space the floor next to Wiseman when Wiseman is on the corner next to Looney. You could play him next to Draymond Green in small ball lineups. Like there's a lot of different scenarios. That to me, if Draymond, if Draymond's smart and we know that he is, I would be in Kevin Love's ear and just being like, hey man. Imagine living in San Francisco instead of Cleveland. Yes. And, and Kevin Love, look, he's a defensive liability, but he's a fantastic rebounder. And the Warriors yeah. need that too. Rick, what do you think? I mean, I, I've been wanting Kevin Love for over a year. I've been publishing social media posts saying this. I know it's, it's not easy for that to happen. Have you, but been, tagging, have you been tagging Kevin Love? I tag everyone when I, when I do tweets. Oh, okay. heck yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, heck so yeah. He's I'm getting all in his head. And when he when he announced earlier this year, he's engaged to, I think, uh, some Sports Illustrated swimsuit model, Kate Brock, or I, I forgot who it is. Uh, I, 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 repl- I tweeted him. I'm like, hey, man, that's a cure for depression right there. Congratulations. You know, that's a uh, no, I get, do little. Did you, get an, did you get a wedding invite? No, I did not. No, but but but, but uh, Rick, what are your thoughts on that, Rick? Do you, do you like Kevin Love and the Warriors? Yeah, I think he'd be a great fit for the Warriors. He's the type of thing that, that, that San Antonio did for so many years, bringing in all these veteran guys who can come in, who know how to play. You, it's like, it's not like a guess what you're getting. You know what you're getting. Exactly. Okay? It's not a crapshoot. And that's, to me, if you're going to make decisions to do things and keep a team and keep it up at the higher level, Jerry West, similar type of thing, you know, who was amazing during his, his tenure and stuff, keeping a team up there. And, and San Antonio did it for years. He would be a perfect fit, the perfect kind of guy to bring in because, as you say, you know what you're going to get from him. He creates all kinds of problems for the other team. He can do a lot of good things. And as far as the individual liability defensively, look at championships are not won with individual defense. Championships are won with team defense. Team defense right. wins championships, not individual defense. I asked, I asked the good late, you know, God, I really loved him. Jack Ramsey, when he was alive, had him talk to him many times. Jack, I'll give you 12 guys, 12 great individual defenders or 12 team defenders. Who do you want? 12 team defenders, obviously, because that's what it's about. I coached an unbelievable individual defender in Darren Hancock, who had played, you know, ball in college in Kansas stuff. I coached him in the minor leagues, Okay. I mean, this guy, this is a waste of talent. I mean, you want to talk about a waste of talent and somebody not really using his talent well. And I said, Darren, I love you're and you're a great individual defender, but we're not going to win because if you don't play team defense, we're going to get killed because I don't care how great a defender is. I'm going to beat the guy guarding me because nobody's going to stop me from doing what I want to do. And because I don't think you can shut down a score. And so if you're not there to help, and you're guarding your guy and you're worried about your guy, we're going to give up so many easy freaking baskets. It's going to be a joke. 
And so that's the whole idea is if you have team defenders, you don't give up easy baskets. All right. Now it's changed somewhat because a lot of teams aren't looking to get those easy baskets. They all want to shoot three point shots and they live and die with their three pointers, just as the Warriors did against Cleveland when they went and played the last four minutes and 20 seconds and took nothing but three point shots. It was the worst four minutes and 20 seconds that I've ever seen in the finals of a game in game seven. One basket made a three point shot. <laughs> you know, it really does. It, it drives me nuts when you get to doing that. I and mean, why in the world do you want to go and live with the three point shot, especially when you have two guys who can go to the basket, who can shoot free throws, who are 90% free throw shooters, put some freaking points on the board, you know, and, and Wes, this is, I've said this for many times. I said, Kyrie Irving shot when he was with Cleveland. It's easy to take a three point shot when the game is tied with, you know, less than a couple you know, two minutes to go. It's a little bit more difficult and a little bit more questionable when you're having to take a three-point shot when you're trailing, okay? Yeah. <laughs> because if you miss it, if you miss it, you know, the game could possibly be over. But they had what? I got into that. I got in that same Twitter. I got in that argument on Twitter the other day. I think Sports Center or something tweeted uh, on the anniversary of Ray Allen's three-pointer in the corner against San Antonio. Oh, the one he traveled on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I said, that, like, they're like, anniversary of maybe the greatest shot in finals history i was like maybe the greatest shot i'm like that is isn't that like, that is the greatest shot like the game they had he had to make that shot or the heat were eliminated and that was that was it like and then people got back to me well, what about Kyrie? i'm like i don't know like I, it was a great shot don't get me no, wrong but it kinda, I, no 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 comparison yeah to the yeah None. i mean the stakes are completely he, different. Did he did travel but other than that it was, <laughs> it was just one it was one big step well, he, he, yeah, but you can't, if you have two feet set, you take one step, you bring the other foot back without a dribble. That's a travel. Yeah, but, but now, he was, he was uh, gathering he, the pass. He was West, gathering hey, the pass. That's the no, West, they say, yeah, it, it, it was a gather. What the hell is a gather? I mean, I mean, it's, I mean that's bullshit. It was, it was a travel. I mean, don't get me going because I'm already going to get into Thank other goodness. things. Thank goodness. You're getting ready to leave. I was going to tell Cyrus about it. My God, are they ever going to get the block charge called down? Holy Christmas. I mean, it is so pathetic that officials can't understand. It's one of the easiest calls actually to make if you understand it from a visual concept and from a, from a physics concept is that the moment the, best, the, the offensive player has picked up his dribble, he is entitled to the space in front of him because he can no longer physically prevent himself from going there because he's totally committed to the drive. So if there's any movement whatsoever by a defender, it's a block. It's pretty simple. No movement, charge. Movement, block. And I get nuts listening to these guys who are doing the color commentary and stuff and everything who never say a word about it. And it's a horrible call that the officials make continually. And they did it in the playoffs. I've watched it you know, numerous times. And I go nuts. That's really what drives me crazy more than anything else is that they blow that call all the time. Being someone who drove to the basket and got tired of guys moving underneath me. I mean, it's crazy. And that's yeah. how guys get hurt too. And if the players yeah. knew that you can't do that, they would eliminate a lot of injuries that take place because of guys moving into guys when they shouldn't be, when they guys got the right to that lane. Anyway. Well, they already did Rick, that. No, they already, but they already did that for the three point shot, right? You can't move under somebody once they raise right. their three pointer. Right. So why haven't they done it? You're, Cause you're right. The main thing is I don't even care if it's a foul or who gets free throws. You just you, too much risk for injury. That's the problem. You can't just yeah. move under a guy who's already in the air or starting to, to kind yeah, of, but that's the thing. That their thing is, is that he, he, he hasn't committed. No, he has the moment he's picked up his dribble. That's his commitment. Yeah. Yeah. That's his, it's yeah. not whether or not he started to go up. 
That's bullshit because he's right. he has to go up. He's already going. His momentum has taken him. He's entitled to that space. Very simple. Right. Rick, it, people just can't handle the truth. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, they and just that's can't. true. People can handle the truth. They really have a hard <laughs> handling the truth. Okay, they don't want to hear it. That that actually cost me my broadcasting job back in the day when if you told the truth, all of a sudden it was like, oh, you're too controversial. Well, now uh, <laughs> you're controversial. It's a great thing, and you get salary raises. <laughs> Wes, is there a, before we've been we could talk Warriors all day. Before we let you go, Wes, yeah. anything you want to promote? I mean, you got the podcast. You're uh, you're you're you got a lot of stuff going on. Promote away, please. Yeah. No, just uh, check out the podcast. It's Locked On Warriors, Monday to Friday. Um, we're now on YouTube, so if you if if people listening to this are interested in watching me talk for some reason, they could do so on YouTube. And of course, the written word is over at themercurynews.com. Subscribe, support local journalism. Yeah, absolutely. And you can follow him on Twitter at WC Goldberg. Wes, thank you so much, man. It's it's yeah, been Wes, fun. Really enjoyable. I've really enjoyed the time with you, and uh, look forward to hopefully talking to you again sometime. And Hopefully we'll be able to get to a, you know, get to a game at, and the Warriors will yeah. actually have some people in the arena and we'll have some fun and not have to wear masks. And the, you know what I call it, Wes? This is the scamdemic that took place. We were scammed yeah. big time by our government. It's about anyway, I'll drop it. I thought we're not doing politics. I thought we're not doing politics, Rick. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm staying, staying away from that. I'm staying no, away from it. I'm not, I'm not getting, no, I'm not getting into it. And I wish the players would also stop it and get out of it too. And the NBA as well, which, you know, they only cost themselves 30% of their, of their popularity because they went and got involved in it. <laughs> Wes, thank you so much, man. It was a pleasure. Take Thanks care, for having everybody. me guys. Anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Wes. All right, and, Always a pleasure, sir. Uh, to do, I got to go get another freaking test. I had a PCR. I'm going to Israel to do some some clinics and all. But wow. Anyway, I got to worry about getting my PCR test, and now I got to go get the one that I can get in 24 hours. So I have to go take another test to make sure. Go do your thing. Go do your thing. So when uh, we'll talk soon. Our next guest is going to be Eric Sleepy Floyd. I'm so excited for that. Uh, that so we'll talk about your availability so we can we can schedule that. But um, yeah. And, and you can follow Rick Barry on all social media platforms at Rick24Barry. Uh, you can you can uh, buy him as a gift on Cameo. And there's another platform as well, right? That people can... Yeah, there's a number of them out there. And then here's the thing. To, to, to check in the future, coming up, it'll be out there. Rick rickberry24.com with this i'm redoing my entire website got a lot of incredible things i'm involved in now and all of the stuff and the information will be on there so you really can have some really cool things that you can learn about just keep checking it'll be up and operational here before too long uh, rickberry24.com so hey all the best everybody i hope everybody has a as a, happy as a, fourth of july july yes yeah fourth of july and you know let's celebrate the great country that we are and i'm not yes. going to get into anything else about it okay <laughs> before we, you know, trying to ruin it but let's hope that they don't all right let's have sense of blue <laughs> sounds good and real quick you could follow me on twitter at dog surf road show and you could follow uh this program and all social media platforms at warriors 24 pod always a pleasure rick happy fourth of july sir take care everybody bye-bye presented by bet online Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.